everyone, welcome to Weekly Wrestling Review. I'm Hal. Jack. I'm Chaz. And this is our inaugural show, in which we'll cover the events of the WWE from the 17th to the 24th of February. To start with, let's look at some of the new stories that have come out this week. Another MMA fighter is joining the WWE roster, potentially, as Tito Ortiz starts wrestling at the Performance Center. As someone who's MMA, not familiar with MMA, this you know is more... Ortiz is, and the guy's an athlete. And yeah, I think this is a good addition. However, I think WWE need to sort of draw the line with MMA in that respect because they end up coming there and they end up knowing like three or four moves. And then now, I believe Tito Ortiz has had some experience wrestling. He appeared briefly, he briefly had talked to WWE back in 2003 and appeared at Impact Wrestling a few times. Yes, I remember him in Impact. So he does have some... Very brief experience with the industry, so hopefully there won't be anything too problematic. It's just a thing with uh, a lot of sports coming together recently, like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather boxing fights. Yeah, yeah So they're true. just trying to merge. In other news, Sean Benjamin has signed a new multi-year deal with WWE. Seems like he is sticking around as an on-ring performer. I don't know if there's any consistency to that. If it's just for special, if it'll just be for special appearances, or if he'll be a mainstay on the roster. I don't know about mainstay on the roster. Backstage personality, maybe or another color commentator. Renee Young's off doing her thing now, so he That's might fill in. See, the the problem is if he is a part of in ring competition, yeah. When he come back the first time, they done nothing with him. They ain't gonna do nothing with him this time. I think you can argue that with quite a few people on the uh, WWE roster. I time, do also believe that, you know, all this bringing back these old superstars. Yeah, why don't you just, why don't you just go into your development, bringing some new, new faces, new faces than, rather than all the old. It's good to see. Everyone loves that. People of our generation growing up seeing all these people, your Goldbergs, your, you know what I mean, your Dudley boys, your Hardy boys. It was good to see, to them coming back, but then. Like you want to go in a whole new direction. You'd like than... to think so, but the argument's usually the same thing as to why people... It, it tends to be with things like this that it's not a move in order to improve the product. It's a move to get people who otherwise aren't watching the product to try and get them into it. Yeah. It's to try and bring in older fans that are maybe disillusioned by saying, hey, this person's going to be here. And I don't agree with that, but that's generally why they do things like that. In other news, another Hall of Fame inductee has been revealed. Obviously, some were revealed on SmackDown, I believe. Yes, it was SmackDown. Yeah. But also, beyond those with the Bella Twins, Dave Meltzer has said on Wrestler of Dave Meltzer has said on Wrestling Observer Radio that David Boy Smith will be inducted into Hall of Fame on April the second. I think that's been a long time coming. I'm surprised it's taken surprised this long. Surprised it's taken for. this long. Absolutely. British Bulldog, you know what I mean? He done. Yeah. <laughs> what, Arguably. Me, me growing up, I loved that. Arguably, before the resurgence good. of British wrestling, the most coveted British wrestler. Without a doubt. Oh, oh, 100%. Prior to the resurgence in what recent it? years. He was like a multi time intercontinental champion and everything. Like the first ever British man to win a major title. Yeah. In that respect, do you know what I mean? So, David Boy Smith, it is a very long time coming. He was a big thing with the whole Heart Foundation as well. You know, that whole yeah. faction, he was a big part of that. So, he was part of the Attitude Era. 
so yeah, it's, it's a long time, long time coming. JBL has also been announced of a spot to join him on April 2nd as part of the Hall of Fame. Another one. Mm. That is another one. I think JBL's done a lot for the company. Well, let's get into, just quickly, just briefly, the current Hall of Fame. Who have we got so far inducted? We've got Batista, Batista NWO, and the latest one I thought was a great induction. The Bella Twins. Well, the, the thing, the Bella Twins, it's a good appointment for the fact of what they did for women's wrestling. I'm going to be slightly, potentially unfair, and say that a lot of the weight of that induction, as far as legitimacy, leans on Nikki than Brie. Yes, Nikki by far was better than Brie. Yes. She was the most improved. But you wouldn't package them as singles for that sort of thing. They'd go together. Of course. Both. Because both of them done a lot together as well as singles. You can't knock the fact that both of them won the women's title. Yeah. Divas title. Yeah. They had a big impact on the revolution of yeah. women's wrestling because it took it away from them just being looked at. Yes. You, you, they were sexual, like most women, sexual objects. Yeah. Now they're looked at as athletes, which... Which I think is 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 a great angle to go in because women, we're all the same, we're all equal, we should be treated yeah. equal, not treated as... Which is... As just eye candy on TV. That's exactly. what women was back in the attitude. They were just the eye candy, it was beautiful, they always had their bus show in their thing. Now I think that it should be more, you're a WWE superstar, you're not a diva. Yeah. See, the, the thing is as well with the Bellas, it's not just what they've done in the ring. Look at what they've done outside yeah. of the ring, promoting the business. Yeah. They got their own reality TV show. Yeah. Their popularity with yeah. the fans, it's hard to go unnoticed. I think it helped to humanise a lot of women's wrestlers because they definitely were seen a lot as objects. Exactly. Especially, we talk about that actually, but especially in the Ruthless Aggression era, does anyone remember the... There was the match where it was like they were already in there like bras and panties and I was like stuffed toys Lingerie or pillows and stuff. Fights. That's the one. That's what I'm thinking of. You know, Eric Bischoff's hot lesbian action so segments. Can, when we mention this, yeah, I've just got to say the Tory Wilson, Al Wilson storyline with Dawn Marie. Anytime, exactly. anytime I hear all this stuff, yeah, it always brings me back to Jerry the King Lawler. Every time, he was, as I've said to Chaz many times, Jerry was always really good. As a character, the way he portrayed it was always very cartoonish. It never felt like he was seriously denigrating women. Obviously, as a man, I can't fully say how women were affected by that. But to me, it always came across as very cartoonish. And it was very clearly a character. And as a heel commentator as well, it's easy to say that you're not supposed to entirely be okay with him saying things like this. JL would, would always admonish him for it as well. Yeah. The, the thing that it's where the direction the company went as well. Back yeah. then, you could get away with it. Absolutely. Like certain swear words. Yeah, because TV in the 90s was all about pushing boundaries and making of things uncomfortable. Now we've got to be a bit more child friendly with everything because a lot of WWE's product is followed by kids. And that's perfectly fine. As long as it's good, I don't mind. I think that's where the entertainment comes And I think that's where we're a bit. Like, we talk about how we don't like the whole. Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, dog food segments. Yeah. But to kids, that's probably entertaining. Mm. And it's WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. So 
I think we might have to give a bit of leeway on yeah, absolutely. certain segments like that. Moving on uh, to another story. Does anyone remember Abraham Washington? The no. name rings a bell, but... The primetime player's former manager who got in trouble for saying some things on yes. live TV because someone decided to give him an ear mic. He has recently accused the WWE of stealing his ideas. Currently going by Reverend Jeremiah Constantine has claimed that not only is Seth Rollins' Monday Night Messiah character infringement on his heel gimmick as a messiah, but that he had mock news segments on his YouTube channel that he pitched to WWE that he is claiming the Fiend Bray White is stealing for his Firefly Funhouse segments. That could just be him being sorted. It sounds like it's reaching. I've not watched the things themselves. If people want to give us some more information on that, that'd be greatly appreciated. I did not have as much time to research this stuff. There was quite a few... To be fair, I don't remember who he is. In a, in a lighter news story, Seamus originally wanted to bring back his old theme music for oh. his return. I've been waiting for that. Every time I was anticipating Seamus' comeback. WWE oh. said they don't remember the theme song and it's, and it's outdated. They don't remember the theme song? No. Well, that, well, I think, well, it's a shame for me. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't remember it fully, but yeah, I remember it. It's a shame that they lost the heads of the Ashley River, but a lot of people joke it's a shame. Something lobster head is always the meme I hear. <laughs> but it's a fantastic theme, and I would have loved to hear that again. It fit, because he's clearly going for a throwback gimmick. This is original debut Seamus we're looking of at. Of course. She you... Unfortunately, WWE have decided that they do not want to pursue that theme, and that they... Sort of brushed off his request to have the theme back, it seems like. I can't believe they actually turned around and said they don't remember the theme. I can't remember they said it's outdated. I don't know. I don't know what to really say about that. No, I'm kind of lost for words. I like Seamus' yeah. old character and I like his old theme music. While on the subject of music, you've probably realised there's not a lot of music coming out that's new, that isn't licensed, that isn't by a band or something. This is because, according to this news story, CFOS's publisher is currently having issues with WWE because WWE tried to buy CFOS out of their deal and the talks hit a snag and nothing materialised and apparently CFOS may have a non-compete with their publishers keeping them from doing more music now while still under that deal. Possibly explains why a lot of the theme tunes nowadays seem generic. Possibly. To be honest, I, I miss the Jim Johnson themes. I thought some of those were the best ones. A man has to retire at some point. Of course, I, I get that. I don't feel like they've ever really put out the bands. Like, you've had Downstate Doom Mizzes. Yeah. Uh, C CFOS, they did quite a, a lot. A lot of the that. NXT talent yeah. is CFOS stuff. But that's with lyrics, musically, just through themes. I think Jim Johnson was always the standout one. In another story... The WWE are looking to get even more global with their talent searching as they open up a performance centre in Japan later this year. Japan's the way forward. Some Absolutely. of the talent in Japan is unreal. If you watch, just watch NJPW, just a couple of shows, you'll be blown away by some of the things they do. It's unreal. Look, the, the likes of going into like AEW, you've got Kenny Omega. Yeah. You've got the Jacksons. Yeah. You have Cody, formerly Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Other people in Japan, look, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura before he come to WWE. Kota Ibushi. Yep. 
Kazuchika Okada. Yep. Some amazing talent in Japan. Tetsuya Naito. Exactly. So I think doing that, if we got a lot more Japan wrestlers over here, I think it could definitely... And with a performance centre over there, there's always potential that they might be able to coach them in English there as well. Exactly. Which might lead to some that can also be trained to work the mic. Because not only is Japanese wrestling very not focused on that sort of stage performance, usually they're more like real sport, real combat sports like MMAs and boxing where they just have interviews. With that, what I would like to say is, yeah, again... The angle that WWE takes certain things in, yeah, it's kind of... Because I'm not being funny. They could have done this a couple of years back, maybe months back, whatever. Like, we know about the Japanese talent. We've known about them for years. Why not have done this years ago? No matter where you go in the world, if you go to certain parts of the world, they probably haven't heard of NJPW or AEW or TNA. But WWE is worldwide, and they were the standout show. They had nothing to compete with it. So they didn't really have to go outside the box, which yeah. is why a lot of a lot of the times we were calling for it. Before NXT came about, we always talked about the talent in the developmentals. And it was only it's only recently WWE have started looking into that, and the success of that has made them broaden out even further, which is why we now have shows in Saudi Arabia, yeah. why we now have the... Performance Centre in Japan. We have NXT UK. We've had a couple of shows in Australia as well. In other news, it's been revealed why Sami Zayn has primarily been an on-screen non-wrestling talent. Apparently, he is still suffering with an old injury. A old shoulder injury. And he has decided to wrestle less in order to make sure it doesn't become a much more serious injury. Wrestle less or wrestle not at all? Wrestle less. Currently, he's clearly not wrestling at all. But it means that... But he's wrestled one match since he's come back. Yeah. But if he's worried about an injury, then it would make sense. I suppose, yeah. If he injures that shoulder even more, he could be out of action for months. So if he feels he's unable to compete, yeah. then health and safety comes into Absolutely. play. Absolutely. And he's still making money, he's still on programming, so it's not too bad. As a final news story before we get into the Raw for this week, the WWE are in talks with ESPN to sell their pay-per-view rights. I heard about this but I also heard that this is a, a shambles news report at the same time. This has been reported on by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling New Observer Newsletter. Apparently, they want to put the programming onto their ESPN Plus service. And they'll be looking at other package deals to have a streaming services to put their shows on. So what does this say about the WWE Network? It's still active. It's possible that it might just be downsized. It... Recently, it's taken more of a hit. It's been a liability in some ways. No, it's not seen as much money as it usually does. So they might be looking at more options in order to make as much money as possible. See, if they do take the pay-per-views off it, would it be more like a sort of an on-demand thing? I'm not sure. But yeah, that's about it for the major news stories. So Raw started off with Randy Orton. It seems like he's going back to his old 2009 Randy Orton. The one that attacked the McMahons. Of course. The more ruthless... The, the one that ended up forming the legacy. So yes. I think, I think the character that he's portraying in the past couple of weeks is sort of the character that... He's got a split personality. If you notice this week, yeah? He was... He'd come out, he was talking, and then he was apologising. I'm sorry for what I've done to Edge. When Matt Hardy come out, 
similar to the same yeah. the same situation he did when he done it to Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. When he punk kicked her and he all of a sudden looked at himself and thought, what have I done? Mm. That it's character a, for Randy Orton, I, mean, I think I that's think, the best Randy Orton character. I think mm. it's a great angle and I, I do like it. However, you know, it's things like this that sort of I don't get. So if anyone else gets it, please put it in the comments because I don't get it. But, you know, like, this whole thing with him coming out, talking trash, and then Matt Hardy, come on, like, you know. If, if anyone's irrelevant, it's Matt Hardy, and I don't think that... Matt Hardy has a lot of fan love. He's a very heavily supported person. I think they're making a good move by trying to get him on board with it. Unfortunately, this man thinks like you and thinks Matt Hardy's irrelevant, which is why their match for tonight got pulled. The thing, the thing that made the, the thing that makes sense about why it's Matt Hardy is the fact that him and Edge have a lot of history. He goes into that in the promo, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you, you, but even behind, even behind the scenes, yeah. If you know the stories from behind the scenes, you'll know that Matt Hardy and Edge were best friends. Yeah. Matt Hardy started dating Amy Dumas, who was Lita. Yeah. And while Matt Hardy was nursing an injury, Edge and Lita had an affair. Yeah. Which led to a personal and on-screen battle. Yeah. Leading to the downfall of Matt Hardy's WWE career and they lost touch. Yeah. Recently, they've been coming back as friends. Mm-hmm. So having Matt Hardy come out made sense. Yeah. It just depends where they go with this with this Randy Orton turn. We've seen him attack Matt Hardy. Now we've seen him put Matt Hardy out. Matt Hardy won't be back on TV for a, probably a while now. We look like we're building up to a match between Edge and Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Yeah. So we will expect Edge's return somewhere down the line. Yeah. It's where do we put Randy Orton from here? Do we get Jeff Hardy now come back because he's attacked Matt and we have a match between Edge and um, Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton at Elimination Chamber building up to Edge's return? What happens with Randy Orton from here? It's unclear. I think originally there was perhaps a plan, I don't know who between, for Matt Hardy and Randy Orton to clear have a programme here. Their match was decided at the last minute to be taken off of Raw, so instead Randy Orton simply attacked Matt Hardy quite viciously on air. I believe Matt Hardy has responded. It seems like there is going to still be some sort of programme with them, but that might be further down the line. I'm not sure. I originally thought, until I saw that there might have been some kind of response from Matt Hardy, that this might have been a way of taking Matt Hardy off entirely, because there was talks about him ending his time at WWE. Let's move on. The next thing on the night was Eric Rowan versus Alistair Black. Do you have anything particular to say about oh, this match? Was a I, good thought, match. I thought it was a. There's not really much to note. Nothing no, really it's... happened, no, but, you know, it's just your typical Alistair Black. A squash match. You know what? You, you, you know who's going to win because you've got to promote Alistair Black. Yeah. Even though Eric Rowan's a good character, Alistair Black is someone that they're pushing. So yeah. you know Alistair Black's going to win. It's just good to see that they were able to put on a decent match rather than a couple of moves. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that they yeah they definitely allowed the match to breathe. They give them time to wrestle. Yeah. And I think that Alistair Black, anytime he gets in the ring, you know that something special is going to happen because he is so talented. 
the man is like, he's a future superstar and I hope he gets a push of some sort sooner rather than later now. Because you know how WWE have got their reputation of sort of bringing people in and not giving them a sort of yeah. major push, you know, like Nikki Cross. She ain't had the major push yet, and she deserves one because her time in NXT was really good. And I feel that she needs that push. So get her away from Alexa Bliss now and get her into the sort of the woman's title picture. See, I wouldn't say get her away from I wouldn't say get her away from Alexa Bliss because I think Alexa Bliss can enhance her chances, her talent. Because them two as a team bounce really well off each other. They do bounce really well off each other. I understand that and I get what you're saying, but it's more, you know, I don't know, I think she needs to be more utilised as sort of a singles. It's kind of hard to do that when you've got so much talent. I know. You've got you to gotta let, let it have time to breathe because you've got so much coming up. But it's always the same and it's always sort of between four. There's a ring of four all the time. It's always... I know they're the best in the business, but it's always like Bailey, Charlotte, Becky, Sasha. But you could argue the same Them with. Toys. But you could argue the same with the men's. How many times is Roman Reigns going to be up at the top? Exactly. No, exactly. We can say the same about the men's, but there's so many other superstars that deserve that push as well. Of course, but at the same time, I think to be fair, I think it's people like Rusev that are long overdue a WWE title. It don't always work out like that, though. What you've got to understand is there's got to be a story. You can't just throw them in. No, I know. All right, so let me let me put it into perspective for you. Right? Ricochet is an amazing talent. He is now number one contender for the WWE title. We probably know, well, let's say 100%, we know he's not beating Brock Lesnar at a Super Showdown. Yeah, no. But once he loses this match, he's going to go straight back down the pecking order. And he's going to go straight to the bottom. He's not going to be in the main event pictures again for a very long time. That's the issue you have with what you're saying. Because there's no story behind it, there's no real reason for them to be at the top at this stage. If they're just thrown in at the top to lose... They're going to go straight back down and they're going to end up losing matches to Eric Rowan and Alistair Black and so on. So there's got to be a story. You can't just throw him in there. So Nikki Cross is fine where she is because it works at the moment. Let it develop and then bring it up. Don't just throw it in there because you ruin the talent that way. After that, Charlotte Flair came out and addressed NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. And it seems like Charlotte Flair plans to challenge her for the NXT Women's title at WrestleMania. I think this is one of the most interesting things on Raw at the moment. Simply because we saw it with Finn Balor. Yeah. He's diverted away from the main roster and gone back down to NXT to yeah. develop more. Because he wasn't getting the chances on Raw or SmackDown. And I think it's good for the NXT talent. Yeah. Because Rhea Ripley is a talented girl. And I think that could be one of the most interesting matches at WrestleMania. Simply because Charlotte Flair being who she is and what she can do in the ring. But instead of challenging the obvious Bailey, Yeah. Or the obvious... Becky. Becky. She goes down. Yeah. And challenges Rhea. 
which makes me believe that are they looking at NXT as a, a third brand? That has been the now? plan recently, and I hope things like this will help to develop NXT as an actual third show rather than being the. Even as you said it just then, she's going down to NXT. Exactly. NXT now becomes. It's more than just developmental now. Yes. So, so, so basically. What you said about him saying going down to NXT, it's yeah. more... The thing is, it's about NXT, it's about time NXT gets that recognition because yeah. if you look at the ratings, Raw and SmackDown are your A and B shows, your main roster shows. NXT is the developmental. Yeah. But NXT is getting more ratings than Raw and SmackDown. Put them together yeah. and NXT still gets better ratings. I think they tried to prove that point at Survivor Series. You know, we saw the Survivor Series that NXT were put into the Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. Yeah. And they dominated. So, so now, why not make that step up? Why not make them the third brand instead of the developmental? I think that is what's happening really slowly. I think they're slowly easing their way into that to stop any sort of. Let's hope it works out because yeah. I think it's a brilliant move. I think move. it's a brilliant idea. So next on the night was the 24-7 championship match between Riddick Moss, R-Truth and Mojo Rawley. What a pointless match this was. This one really was. What a pointless title. What a pointless everything. Listen, R-Truth has held that title 34 times. Who has held any title 34 times? Is it more they're trying to just, you know, all these... Stars that don't get much TV time. Are they trying to put them into the picture a little bit with that? That is the idea of the 24-7 title. And I, I, I like the concept of it. When it first came out, it was fun. But it feels like they just, they're just trying to find space for them. It doesn't feel like it's meant to be there. It's, it's, yeah. do, you know, it's not, do you know what? It could be so much better. It could. The only thing that throws it for me is the fact that... is it really Can we really call it the 24-7 title? Or should we not just call it our truth title? Because no matter what, yeah, it's our truth. He will lose it. Yeah, he will win it back. Yeah, he will lose it. He will win it back, and it's just a constant back and forth between our truth and someone else. Also, can we just say probably the worst title design currently being used on the shows? It's no basic. It's, I disagree. It's up there, we I can disagree. we can do this discussion another uh, time. It will take too long. There's a lot of tiles to go through and I have some No, opinions. no, but I've got one in particular that I do not like now. That's the Intercontinental title. I disagree. I quite enjoy it. Do you know what? I like the, I like the old title. retro one. No, 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 no. That is the best one. The one Cody Rhodes brought back. The old the one 80s before design, but with it. the white belt is beautiful. It's my favourite WWE title, period. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. I still think it's a really good title. It's, it, they're clearly going for a more clean black and gold sort of aesthetic. You can see it on pretty much all of the titles now, with silver as well for some of the secondary titles, such lower brand titles. I think it looks fine. Regardless, we can go into titles at some point. That's certainly doable. But for now, let's see with Raw. Where next, we had Drew McIntyre come out to obviously talk about fighting Brock Lesnar. I, I really like Drew McIntyre. It really feels. Like, they are building towards Drew McIntyre being the coming champion. out of WrestleMania as champion. I really hope that's the case. I think they're pushing him pretty I well do, so far. I do believe that is going to be the outcome. Paul Heyman comes out, of course, because Drew McIntyre is talking smack about Brock Lesnar. Of course, Brock Lesnar isn't there. It's a Raw. It's not even a go-home Raw. Brock Lesnar isn't going to come out for this show. Of course not. Instead, we get MVP. 
and we get a match between Drew McIntyre and MVP that seems almost as out of nowhere and pointless as MVP appearing. I see, I totally agree, and that's one of the points I wanted to bring up. Mostly. It was fine as a match, and MVP, we're going to be seeing a lot more of him, not necessarily as an on-screen performer, but as a backstage slash it on-screen personality, as he's recently been signed as a producer on the WWE shows. But this match just felt, it's, it's not quite as pointless as the 24-7 title, but it just felt, it didn't serve anyone. See, the, the thing with this type of angle yeah. that WWE seem to do is, it's not the first time we've seen this. No, it's not. Whoever wins the Royal Rumble seems to build no momentum in the first six weeks of them It's really winning. weird. It's like literally having nothing... They win the Royal Rumble and literally it's like they didn't write them. No. Creative team did not write them. There's this weird habit where WWE's writing writers seem to be scared of feuds that go on for longer than a month. So it seems like the actual WrestleMania feud for Royal Rumble doesn't start until the month of WrestleMania. The thing that, the thing that tips this one over mostly as well is the fact that you have Brock Lesnar as your WWE champion he's and we not there already we know he only makes so special appearances this is the point this is why you make. can't build momentum for no. Drew McIntyre going into his match with Brock Lesnar because we know Brock Lesnar isn't going to appear until closer to WrestleMania yeah. See, this is and it's not going to be to have matches it's going to be to do a little bit of trash talking then Drew McIntyre comes and smug up, the camera do a little bit of trash talking there's yeah. no build up yeah. because Brock Lesnar isn't a full time competitor no this is a bit, this is a bit part time employee should not hold the world title. Of course not. I've, it's not only that. It's like it's like what hold? It seems like as a viewer to me that Brock Lesnar has some sort of hold on the company. Like like I ain't gonna be a part of this company unless I'm the champion. That's sort of hold. Because I'm not being funny, yeah. I'm sick of this. It's it's near enough every year. Brock Lesnar's champion for Mania. Yeah, and it's pretty much every year we don't have a build up to it. The main event of WrestleMania is something Sorry, I'm sick I of always being champion. Yeah. The main event of WrestleMania is something that I always don't look forward to anymore. After Drew McIntyre and MVP, we had Becky Lynch come out about what happened last week on Raw with Shayna Baszler, and Shayna Baszler comes onto time trying to retaliate. I actually like this segment, and I think it was. Do you know what? It's the first time in a long time where I've actually heard a swear word on WWE. I actually missed that then. I don't uh, remember this. Uh, that passed me as well. I am certain that Shayna Baszler turned around and said she was going to beat the shit out of Becky Lynch. Well, roll the tape on that one. But yeah, it was it was really good. I don't know much about Shayna Baszler, but she kind of sold me on her character with this angle, with this promo. And it's Sort of like they're doing again with their top women. Both their top women. The top the top women in the show. They're sort of bringing them in at NXT angle. You see what I mean? It's like you've got Charlotte with Rhea Ripley. And you've got Becky Lynch with Shayna Baszler. And I do think it's great. It is. I really do. I, I, Becky, Becky Lynch is one of the best females on the mic. The way she comes across. There's so much flair. 
yeah. in what she says. You 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 see it. Like she don't stutter, she's not uncomfortable. There's a lot of fighting talk. Yeah. And she backs it up in the ring as well. A lot of women they're either good in the ring or good on the mic. They're never good at both. I think Becky Lynch is the best for bringing both together. And I am looking forward to Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. You see as well. Do you think that's where they'll go with it? What, Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler? Yeah. I do. You think she'll win the elimination chamber? I do. I do. I think she'd be the most interesting choice, certainly. I don't see anyone else. I mean, Mm. who's actually in this elimination chamber match? I mean, I know Liv Morgan announced herself in it. This the full match, I believe, was actually announced. The see the thing with Becky, I like the thing with this whole the all the title pictures I'm liking the women's titles is this year is that that you sort of can look into it and think, do you know what? Like you know, as much as you love Becky, and as much as you know, you sort of. There's the screens are trying to make you not like Charlotte, yeah, WWE. It's like Becky Lynch. It's almost you can almost see it. You can almost see. It's not dead obvious, but you can almost see. I feel she's gonna lose that title. Out where, however, I feel Charlotte's gonna win the NXT title. See, I disagree. Do you disagree? I disagree. I think Rhea Ripley's gonna beat Charlotte. But do you think Shane is going to beat Becky? Either which way, whether Becky or Shayna Baszler wins, it will still be. Match, it is to be a good, good. good the result. reason I say Rhea Ripley will beat Charlotte is simply because of the way that we're noticing NXT being pushed up as a brand rather than a development. Yeah. If Charlotte beats Rhea Ripley, that just cements the fact that Raw and SmackDown that. are better than NXT. Yeah you go backwards and you push NXT further down. If Rhea wins, it elevates it. See, I get that, but then, you see, what you're saying about that, I understand what you're saying, and that is that is sort of a good thought process. But going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, about Survivor Series, you would have thought that would have done it for NXT, gone bang, right, this is it. Okay, but yeah? then look at the logic. Because they dominated the whole show. Alright, but then look at the logic. Are you telling me that Charlotte is going to be on NXT after WrestleMania. Is she leaving the brand that she's on to go to NXT and wrestle NXT week in, week out? Because if she wins the NXT title, she won't be on Raw. Yeah. She will be on NXT. I don't see that happening. Rhea wins, NXT gets pushed further up. Charlotte stays on Raw. But it elevates NXT. I, I don't agree. see Charlotte in NXT after WrestleMania. That is why I don't see Charlotte winning the but NXT then, title. But then you still got... If Shayna Baszler beats Becky, it elevates. Not really, because Shayna Baszler is getting pushed up to Raw. So Shayna Baszler comes out. But if Charlotte wins the NXT women's title, then Charlotte has to go to NXT. Oh, no choice. I suppose there's that. So we because have the NXT Women's Title is it going to be defended on Raw? Obviously, I know it's not as big as, but it's like it's almost like you know they've done it like you said earlier they've done it with Finn Balor. But I think that was I've read that, that was a decision from him. 
Yes. To to work with NXT to help development. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't now Charlotte do that as well? Obviously, I know Finn ain't as big as Charlotte on that screen, but you know, I think it would be a sort of a good thing for NXT as well for development to have someone like Charlotte with all the new sort of ladies that ain't you know that are developing and all that. Someone like Charlotte, a legend, not a legend, but that an established superstar. Because people like Charlotte can get the best out of anyone. That's that is well and true, but at the same time, Charlotte's got a good platform where she is. Yeah, she has. Finn Balor didn't. Ever since Finn Balor had his injury, he was pushed down the pecking order. Mm. He was the first ever Universal Champion. Got injured, had to relinquish the belt the next night. Come back, and never quite pushed that far up. So. For him to then want to go down to NXT to help do that, that's his choice because of that. Charlotte has a platform on Raw. So there's no real need for Charlotte to drop down to NXT to help them mm. because she's still in a big she's still in the big storylines on Raw. So while Chaz and Jack have obviously gone on to pretty much cement the fact that they think Shayna Bay is gonna win the next chamber, it would help for us to remind ourselves of who else is in the match. The confirmed participants of the Royal Women's Championship contendership match in the Elimination Chamber features Natalia, Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. See, out of all them names, Shayna seems Baszler's like the obvious the one. one. Stands out. Yeah. See, Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot are obviously going to have their thing. Sarah Logan was also the other member of the right squad, if I remember correctly. I believe so. I'm not so sure. you've got Ruby Wright who come back from injury and attack Liv Morgan. So they're going to have their thing. Sarah Logan's going to be interested in what's going on there. That's going to be the downfall of them three. Who else? Asuka already pretty much has her thing with Kyrie Sane and they're going well. Natalia is the most irrelevant woman in WWE at the Which moment. Which is really <laughs> a shame because she was yeah. a good compare, but she has just never worked in WWE. I think it's what they how they write her. The thing, the, the thing that I understand with that is that they WWE like the personality of talents. Yeah. So Charlotte has a personality. Yeah. Right, you see that. I don't think Natalia has enough personality to go out and actually dominate the women's division in that respect. Charlotte can. I don't think Natalia is a strong enough personality to go off and do that type of Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Bailey sort of mentality. That's why Natalia never progresses in WWE. No matter what she does in the ring, she, she's a great athlete and she has a, a fantastic moveset, but her personality, she ain't really on the mic, she's not good. Hmm. So where do you go? That's why I She's just... In that match, I feel that she's just a stopgap. Of course. Just a, a spot filler. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, Shayna Baszler still, out of all yeah. their names, the obvious... No, I definitely choice. agree. I just wanted to make sure the viewers knew who exactly was in the match, yeah. of course. Since that is also news, but I wanted to bring up when it was relevant. Next on Raw, we had... Rusev and Humberto Carrillo versus Bobby Lashley and Angel Garza. I don't really know what to say about this match, to be honest. I kind of forgot a lot of what happened during it. 
know there was an interview with Gaza, Lana, Lashley, and um, Selena Vega before the match. But beyond that, I don't remember much. Put the interview aside, right? This whole Bobby Lashley Lana love story that they got going on, they really need to stop that. I I thought that was ridiculous from the moment it started. It's one of the worst things I've I don't understand it, I don't get it. It don't make sense. No. Again, I think it's just a spot for the... Humberto Carrillo. That guy is talented. He looks really... Absolutely. He looks good. I like this Hector Garza too. The thing is, the interesting part of, the interesting part of this is what happens when Andrade comes back. Yeah. Because Zelina Vega is obviously Andrade's manager. Yeah. Right? She's now doing with... Hector Garza. Yeah, well, Andreas Janel must be on his own, or will she go back to him? Are we going to have a tag team out of the two? Maybe. Is there going to be a feud out of the two? Don't forget, Andrade is the current United States champion. That's true. I so, there could be an angle where Hector Garza and Andrade fight. Where will Zelina Vega's loyalty lie there? Yeah. Will they go on and become a team? There's an interesting yeah, thing happening there. But Bobby Lashley, Lana, that Get rid needs of it. to go. Bobby Lashley has had a terrible return to WWE. I don't think any of it's worked. No, it hasn't. To be fair, going back with this Angel Garza situation, could we see that, you know, they're all sort of of Hispanic heritage? Could we see like a little six-man thing where they become like this? Yeah, that's what he was suggesting. I'm not just calling him Hector Garza. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Sorry. You, did, fine. You, didn't, you only mentioned two out of the three. I'm talking about all three of them being as one team. Who's the third one? You got Humberto. He's a face. That's yeah, but they always turn faces heels. You can do that. I, don't I think know if they would uh, you know, Humberto Carrillo is the one that stands out. Yeah. Right. I don't think putting them three together would be beneficial at this time. No. After that, we had Kyrie Sane and Natalia. I don't... Again, this match kind of just feels it like... It dragged. It absolutely dragged. And the ending... What was the ending about? We're, we're going to get to this, I'm sure, during the weeks. But I feel like... Raw and SmackDown somehow have the opposite problem from each other. SmackDown has not enough time to have any interesting matches. And Raw has too much time as to feel it, fill it with a load of matches... Don't mean anything in the end. To be fair, like Raw's done that for years. See, Kyrie saying Oscar, that, that could have been a good match. Right? But they put them as a tag team. I don't think they gel super well together. To be honest, no. As a tag team, I don't. I mean, I, I get that they wrestle well together, but the promo before the match where they're both talking. Yeah. There was absolutely no interest from the crowd. No. No interest whatsoever. Asuka's a great intimidating kill and Kairi Sane feels more like the bubbly, super peppy, like baby face. Exactly. And it doesn't fit. Like the sweet, innocent baby yeah. face. Yeah. It's a, really weird to have them together. together it. it's, it's just, it don't make sense. It feels like, <laughs> sorry. And then you've got Natalia and Kairi Zane fighting in this match. Yeah. And the match seems to go nowhere. Yeah. And then the end of the match. The count out. Yeah. 
I mean, a kick to the head and she was down for ten. Yeah. Where are we going with this? Yeah. It makes like, her look weak. I, I, I guess I guess it's build up to the elimination chamber, but yeah, it just it, seemed it seemed to drag. The yeah. whole match seemed to drag, and then the ending just seemed pointless. It was just something that didn't have to be there. I remember a lot of the time it felt like in the action era when they had these big multi-man slash women. Oh, it's multi-man back in the action era. But regardless, these multi-man matches for for big matches on like a pay-per-view card, they'd weave individual stories together that then all sort of collided. Yeah. Like the Armageddon Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. If you remember, Armageddon 2000. Yes. Like... That was more three different feuds going on at once and end up colliding with history between all six people. Whereas this, it's just sort of putting competitors in a match in random matches together before it happens, but it's not actually building to any sort of interconnected story. That's, that's my match interesting. Issue. This is my issue when it comes to Elimination Chamber of recent times compared yeah. to old times. There was a story to why these people were in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Nowadays, you're just announcing the people in the Elimination Chamber and trying to hurry a story By to make the fight make matches. sense. Yeah. Not only that, you've got you've always got that one superstar that's obviously in it for the obvious reason and obviously going to win it for obvious reasons. Like we said, Shayna Baszler. Yeah? She's obviously in there because of her feud with Baszler. It feels really yeah? obvious she's going to win. It's just what I'm saying, yeah? It's more that I would rather. You know, like for example, if she wasn't injured, Sasha Banks and Naomi because of the thing between Bailey and Naomi with the championship. I I understand that. that. No, I understand that. Don't get me wrong, but I would rather them not announce six people to be in the elimination chamber. Which is at least if you have feuds going around and build up and then have the match announced. At least then you have a choice. Oh, this person could win. Oh, this person could win. Yeah. If you just name six people, you can just pick one person out of that that's definitely going to win. It does make them irrelevant. It's like having an elimination chamber with John Cena, Sin Cara, Rey Mysterio, Humberto Carrillo, Drew Gulak, Jack Gallagher, yeah. and Heath Slater. Yeah, yeah. John Cena's won that match. Yeah. The rest are just there to fill the card. That's Absolutely. what it feels like WWE have done with this Elimination Chamber match. After the Natalia Curry Sane match, we had Seth Rollins and his Monday Night Messiah segment. I like this new Seth Rollins Messiah gimmick. I think it's an interesting aspect, a new dynamic to his character. And I think he portrays a hill a lot better than he does a face. Yeah, I don't really buy him too much as a face. I think he's fine, but a lot of his charisma and his personality lends itself more to a heel. There's certain there's certain wrestlers that play better heels than they do faces. Although he works well as a face, it's like the Miz. Yeah. You, you know, he, he does well as a heel with a face, but he's a much better heel character than he is a face. Yeah. That's what I see with Seth Rollins. And I think this, what's interesting about this Messiah gimmick is we've taken AOP and Buddy Murphy and elevated them 
because before that they seem to be going nowhere. Yeah. This gives them a platform to get onto the big stage. Yeah. Of course, the segment was interrupted by Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders. You may know better than me, potentially. You've been better with keeping up with wrestling, at least through reports and stuff. I'm not sure what Owens and the Viking Raiders have in common here. Um, what it is, is the Viking Raiders lost the titles to Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins. Okay. But before that, Seth, um, Kevin Owens was getting jumped a lot by um, AOP. AOP. And okay. basically, he was coming in the ring blaming it on Seth Rollins. Right. Yeah. And then Seth Rollins decided to align himself with the AOP. Okay. And then this feud has been going on since then. Just combined forces. Just combined yeah. forces, yeah. yeah. Okay. After this, we had AJ Styles and the club. Are they still going by the club? The OC. The OC. The OC, the OC come out. AJ Styles boasting and saying he's the best. Like he always has done. Yeah. But then again, who can actually argue with AJ Styles? He's done a There's lot. not many people. Not I mean, if you followed AJ Styles' career through Impact Wrestling, leading to where he is now, yeah. he's done so much. Fantastic. Um, we, we were shouting. We were shouting for AJ Styles to debut in WWE. I think yeah. he brings out the best in other superstars as well. When, when they're in the ring with him, you actually see, see other superstars that you've seen in matches before. You think he just had the best match he's ever competed in. The thing is, to, to back that up, you can look back on many interviews with other WWE superstars when they turn around and say, who is the best person you've worked with? A lot of them will stay AJ Styles mm. because he can make the worst wrestler look amazing. He's a in tremendous worker. He's a tremendous enhancement talent. And he's very, I've noticed with AJ Styles, what you will notice time and time again about AJ Styles is he's very, very careful. He yeah. looks after other superstars more than himself. I've seen one match, I can't remember who it was against, but where the bloke bodged, bodged the move and he caught them and then, then powerbombed them. But could have injured himself in the process, but made sure that the opponent was okay. That's something AJ Styles has prouded himself on. And I think that's why so many behind closed doors look up to him. Mm. I do feel, with this AJ Styles the way he is now, me personally, I'm not buying into it. I like him as that fan favourite, that face. That one that everyone cheers for and loves. See, the, the, the thing... See, AJ Styles is another one that works well as a face and a heel. The club itself, it's taking, back, taking back to the NJPW, the Bullet Club, AJ hill, Styles was... Hill faction, isn't it? it yeah. yeah, it yeah. was a hill faction that was so popular and the crowd wanted it. Ever since Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows come to WWE. No return, yeah. They all oh, wanted it. They wanted Finn Balor to do it because they were the Bullet Club back then. So this OC thing that they're doing is sort of a, a monument to that faction and it works well. Yeah. And that angle leads us into the match between Carlos and Ricochet after Ricochet comes and interrupts AJ Styles' whole talk. He's boast. Yeah, it was good that because... Um, Ricochet said to AJ Styles, basically, you think you're the best. How about me and you have a one-on-one? And then Carl Anderson jumps in and goes, well, no. I don't think you should fight AJ Styles. Shouldn't we come along the lines of you're not in his league, fight me. You see, that that's the point I was making earlier, going back to the whole Ricochet being thrown into the match with Brock Lesnar. See, yeah. 
you, you got this segment where Ricochet's telling AJ Styles, AJ Styles is saying, I'm the best. And Ricochet's coming out saying, if you're the best, fight me. Yeah. And Carl Anderson, not even Luke Gallows, who's been a singles wrestler in WWE before, but Carl Anderson, who's predominantly a tag team wrestler, has come out and just turned to Ricochet and said, you're not worthy of fighting AJ Styles. So this whole Ricochet being number contender for the WWE title is just thrown together. Yeah, that, uh, That's where it don't make sense to me. It, it would have been better for, for the Ricochet-Brock Lesnar match for momentum. I think it would have been better to have Ricochet fight AJ Styles. Maybe have him look like he's going to win and then maybe they... Then yeah. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson... So it doesn't fuck up AJ Styles. It yeah. doesn't mess up AJ Styles' momentum. It, exactly. AJ Styles don't lose... And neither does Ricochet. Right. By losing, I mean, AJ Styles shouldn't be losing to Ricochet. No. Because of who AJ Styles is and where he is in the company. And Ricochet isn't at that level yet. Ricochet isn't at that level yet. But if he's going into this match with Brock Lesnar and you want to portray him as someone who can potentially beat Brock Lesnar and not just have a squash match, then you could have had Ricochet fight AJ Styles and just as Ricochet looks like he's about to win, the OC get involved, you got a disqualification. Therefore, Ricochet wins the match. But AJ Styles don't lose momentum either. Yeah. They both go. Exactly. They both come out winners. So our main event for Raw is Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders versus Murphy and the AOP. Easily the best match of the night. It was a good match. It was really long as well, I think. It was. It was a good 15 minutes, I'd say. Maybe even longer. But the it didn't it didn't drag. Mm-hmm. There was good back and forth action, and there were moments in that match where you didn't you you, you didn't know who was going to win this match. Yeah, you, you know you didn't know what the outcome was, and I think the ending, particular, was done well. Yeah, Seth Rollins come in, and then the Street Profits come out, and I would like to say this right: how high can that guy jump? <laughs> <laughs> I he almost left the stadium. <laughs> he flew. I was looking for wings. It was pretty good. It was amazing. See, I thought that you know what I mean. I have been watching more on SmackDown, like, obviously on a regular basis. But I do feel that um, see again, like you were saying earlier, that's a pointless angle. Why bring them to get involved? They've got nothing to do with the old feud. Is that respect? They haven't, but. At the same time, the way they're portraying this Messiah character, it's follow me. Yeah. I am your Messiah. A I shepherd. am your leader. Yeah. Right? And it's more that he, he's trying to tell everyone in the locker room to get behind him. You know, you all need to follow me because I am the one. Yeah. And these are people that are rebelling against it. Yeah. So no matter, anyone can come out and get involved in this. Okay. Because Seth Rollins is basically saying that I own you. A bit more obviously, sort of very Christy slash I am the shepherd sort of thing. But it does remind me of CM Punk's straight edge, straight edge cult yeah. gimmick from back when he first really became big on the main brand. Yes. When that, he was first really looked at as a main event competitor. Ironically, when he turned Festus into Luke Gallows for the first time and showed the potential of that wrestler, 
under a new gimmick, along with Sierra, 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 Sierra or something. Some along them because lines. it's very reminiscent to that, I think, and I think that's the way they're going with it. I think Seth Francis has chopped up all that kind of angle off. I'm very excited to see where it goes, and I hope it doesn't fall flat. I feel there's potential for more people to join this cult. Definitely. That, but it's got to be the right people. The right people, absolutely. And not overpower it. Yeah. You, there's a lot of people that could fit into that group, but you don't want to have 10, 12 no. people. On if you take it to like six, I think that'll be a good number. I think for stables, five, six is always a good number. Because I think stables should always round out to sort of cover every basis at most. So someone for the primary title, someone for the secondary, tag team, women, maybe also a manager only role. So five or six. And if you think about the the people that have lined themselves against this Messiah group, just to balance it out, because you've got Kevin Owens, the Viking Raiders, Mm -hmm. right? And now you've got Angelo Dawkins... And Montez Ford. Yeah. But you've also got Samoa Joe that's rebelling against you. Yes. So you've got six people against four. Yeah. If you bring another two people to join, yeah. you have a potential six on six, a big feud yeah. coming out, leading to great matches, especially with WrestleMania season coming around the corner. Yeah, it absolutely. gets more people on the card. I think they'll want, with WrestleMania, though, they'd want actual, an actual tag team title defense. But that's what I'm saying. When I when I'm saying six on six, I don't mean six on six as in as in as in six people okay. versus six people no, in sorry, one match. That match but you, you you could have you could have Angelo Dawkins yeah. and Montez Ford fighting for the tag titles. Yeah. You could have Viking Raiders against another two in yeah. the group. If two people, two other people get added to it, then you could have Kevin Owens go on with. But it's what like a story you, running through the what night. What if, if, if that was the case, if they was to do it, that would be a great thing to do. Yeah? Well, again, we're going back to NXT. How about bring, promote two people, a team, a, dot, a hill team from NXT come up and join this action? Possibly. That is a possibility. Don't, uh, there is a few... I don't think there's anyone that stands out on Rod that would fit in that no. group. So you could go into that NXT. Yeah. But... I feel that you've got six faces against four hills. Even that out and create a big feud. So I think that could be interesting. And of course, the night ended with Rollins making an example of Owens. To be fair, I thought that was so predictable. You need that though. It's clear that they're trying to build him as an intimidating character. I think if he can continue to do this with bigger and bigger stars, it'll be the best way to build it. The issue, the, the fear I have is this is just going to continue until with the same people until WrestleMania, then they're going to win and this character is just going to go away, which I think is potentially the wrong move. I can see it's been a long term gimmick for for Rollins. See, the, the, I, I get that. And at the same, like, like Jack said, you'll want the tag titles defended yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah. You always get everything defended. So... Let's let's put it into perspective. Now, is Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy the right people in that faction to be the tag team champions? No. I don't believe so. I I think somewhere down the line they should drop it to possibly the Viking Raiders. Yeah. And have the Viking Raiders and AOP wrestle at WrestleMania yeah. for the tag titles. That makes right? more sense or to me. 
even the Street Profits. Yeah. Because I feel Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania will be a big match. Yeah. It will sort of be like a grudge match, won't it? Yeah. Mm. But if Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins are the tag team champions, you're looking at Kevin Owens as the main feud for Seth Rollins. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's a one-on-one fight. If yeah. they're still the tag team champions and you want the tag team titles defended at WrestleMania, then you've got Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. So then you've got to throw a partner with Kevin Owens. And it won't feel like... No, I get you. Yeah, yeah you, 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 you know, it, it won't feel right. You could potentially have Murphy and Rollins drop titles or you could do the classic heel staple move of delegating the titles... Yes. To the Authors of Pain. Or couldn't you sort of do it as this, yeah? Do you know that where they all combine, all four of them combine, and be as one team and one team's name? You know they do that thing with the tag belts. That's kind of what The free bird rule. The free bird rule where yeah. anyone can defend it in that faction. Jimmy two can defend it in that faction. Potentially, but I don't think W have really followed that kind of rule for a long time, unless I'm mistaken. They, they, they do it with the New Day. Do they do, they do that? Okay. They, they do it with the New Day. Fair Every enough. Time the New Day win the titles. Fair enough. They can defend it in either way. That's but fine. do you know I've never been a fan of that? See, I like it. I think that's good, because if you're a free, free team faction, as good as the New Day, and someone like the New Day, you've I, got I, to defend it all together. It's, it's, I, 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 get the, I, I get the idea. I just, to me... It's helpful to have a solid champion, like you know who they are. Exactly. It'll, it'll be like Brock Lesnar's the WWE champion, but Paul Heyman defends his title. <laughs> you won that belt, but you're not defending that belt, so someone else can lose your belt, and you're not the one defending it. I don't like the idea. But how us know what you think in the comments section. So what did we think of Raw? Uh, for me, I, I still think Raw's bloated. There was a lot of matches that just didn't resonate with me there, and it had it definitely had its art moments. And I think it was it it's, it's, it was a strong show. I just think it's held down by the amount of filler they have to put in to fill that third hour. I agree. There there was there was some solid moments in there, but with it being three hours. You had them moments in there that yeah. just felt out of place. Easily cut an hour without losing anything. Of course. But in total, I don't think it was a terrible show. No, I enjoyed but it. But it's not one that would go in the highlight reel at the same time. No. To be fair, I feel recent weeks, going back quite a few weeks actually, I do feel that Smackdowns took the edge. But Raw, I feel it is a good show. But I'll go with what Harry said. It's very over-congested with things that don't need to be in there. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, getting, we're getting into SmackDown. So yeah. I will say this this SmackDown impressed me. It was better than last week. Exactly. Now, the problem I have with SmackDown, right, and I know you say SmackDown's better than Raw, but last week we had three matches. Three matches and a lot of segments that and didn't a lot go of anywhere. That didn't go anywhere. So you, that's that's the problem you have. You have Raw that's overly congested and SmackDown that don't do enough, enough with the it. two hours that yeah. they yeah. do. So they need to balance that out. Well, let's get into it. We started SmackDown with the Usos coming out, and we also had 
New Day. We also had the New Day. Nice. Then the Miz and Morrison also decided to throw their hats into the ring. And we just got a little squabble. This seems like it's kind of Morrison trying to build up something for the tag team division, maybe. You forgot to add that Dolph Ziggler and... Did they actually come out? I feel yeah, like it was once, Nate, it was yeah, I feel like what it went to like an ad break or it cut at some point, and they were just in the ring. I don't remember them ever talking. They, no, they don't. They didn't talk. It did come out, but they were there. They they were part of the match. No, they were yeah, part, they of, the were part of the match. We but ain't we're got, talking about the segment. The segment itself, it seemed like a tag team, like they would sort of advertise tag division, then decide to do a four corners tag team match, and it's like, oh, we need two more people for such thing. I don't know, Rude and Ziggler. Let's put them in there. It, it just... That felt weird. Like, they felt like they shouldn't have been there. <laughs> Four course tag matches you don't see a lot of anymore. This was... Okay. It felt like no one really got much time for anything, though. I think it was always there to make the Usos yeah. go over. Probably, because yeah. Because let's, let, let, let's put it... John Morrison and The Miz... I don't really see them going too far as a tag team. Which is a shame, because they were great when they initially came in but it feels like their reunion here is more of an afterthought of course well, I think a lot of that's down to the fact that we announced John Morrison's return before yeah. Yeah. his return Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler that whole team don't make sense that's just two people that, that they've got nothing together. to do yeah. with so they throw them together absolutely it's something they tend to do with a lot of singles competitors that they and don't have nothing for I mean there was time with Bobby Roode just before Ziggler because he was with Shorty G for a little while exactly so it's literally, you ain't got nothing for Bobby Roode, so you're throwing him everywhere. The match itself was a decent match. It was Let, fine. Let's, let's not deteriorate from that. You see, the thing is as well, I always think that you have the Usos in any match and you're going to get entertainment. Of course. You're always going to get entertainment. Tag team-wise, in my honest opinion, I feel the Usos are the best the WWE has to offer. I do feel as well, and I've felt this for a very long time, yeah, you've got an absolute amazing talent in Dolph Ziggler utilising it. I feel like Dolph Ziggler hasn't been good since he sort of just became the next Shawn Michaels. He's lost any sort of identity he had as a singles performer. No, but it's just like looking beyond that, I'm thinking it's more like, you know, he's talented. He's very good on the mic. Alright, but that that's, that's fine. Dolph Ziggler is good on the mic. He, Dolph he Ziggler wrestle. is talented. Yes, he can wrestle. But Harry has a valid, very valid point. Did we not see Dolph Ziggler's attire? Maybe He's longer. wearing hearts yeah. on his attire. It's Shawn Michaels. He should have his own identity. He was great when he did. Of course. He does that in the yeah. Yeah. He was Everything good. about Dolph, Dolph Ziggler now screams Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And it's a shame because Dolph Ziggler is fine on his own he, he is, don't need to adapt to doesn't. someone else's personality I don't know if it's WWE creative that's doing that or if Dolph Ziggler wanted that himself but whoever decided this it was a bad call yeah it was and it's ruined his career the last few years like however long it's been going on for after that match we had an angle between Slater and Brian setting up their match for later <laughs> We'll get into that when we get to the match. Yeah. Uh, before, before we, before we do get in, before like we do, because obviously that match is coming up. What is this thing they're trying to do? Like, I don't. This Drew Gulak. 
I mean, what, what, what even is that? Like, it feels like he's trying to be like... A, like there is know, holes like in your game. What, 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 what are we doing here? Are we setting up a feud between Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak? Because Drew Gulak seemed to have done his research on Daniel Bryan so he knows how to beat him. He knows how to look like him, no. I mean, is, is it the sad. first time is it, that this is it has happened? Sort of thing, is it the sort of thing where you're going to get sort of like a jealousy thing where... No, he wants to be like Daniel Bryan. I have no idea. Where where he'll never be like Daniel Bryan. He's trying to install it into someone else and all this, you know. That I guess we can see as Gulak's story develops, if yeah. it does. As that does develop, though, but it don't make sense to why now Drew Gallag's turning around saying there's holes in Daniel yeah. Bryan's game that Drew Gulak spots it's, if he's trying to be Daniel yeah. Bryan. It just smells like they don't have any idea what to do with him on the roster. The segment itself, I thought, was quite funny. It was fine. It, and Heath Slater, every time he brings up his kids, I love it. I, I think it's great. I have kids. <laughs> you, you know. It's like he needs to remind us. Slater has... It's almost like he's reminding himself that he has kids Slater at some has great charisma that is never used because they don't seem to know what to do with him, like what to give him. I think he is fantastic as a mic performer... And I think he's a decent wrestler. I genuinely, he does get overlooked as a wrestler. I honestly thought he was one of the best when he come out with Nexus. I just I don't feel like they've ever utilised his wrestling ability. Don't get me wrong, he's a great enhancement talent when he has to job to someone. Maybe that's something he likes doing though, because there's a lot Maybe. of wrestlers out there that do just like jobbing to get over people over. Next, we had the fallout from the Valentine's Day episode of SmackDown. With Tucker it. confronting Mandy Rose. Now, since last week, I had no idea this was a running storyline between Mandy Rose and Dolph Ziggler and Otis. Chaz has a very interesting idea about this whole thing. I want to know how he feels about it now. How I feel about it now? Yeah. Right, so I turned around and said there was a possible before because of the whole... Sonia Deville being a lesbian, that this could develop into one of those. A gay I'm, jealousy angle thing, yeah. Yeah, I now divert from that. I go with the first one I actually said. Sonia Deville sent that text. The comment she made alone, the Dolph Ziggler's more Mandy Rose type. They're working hoops. I don't think Sonia Deville did send that text. I'm, I'm saying they could be working together, yes. They could be in like, this whole thing working together, yes. But Dolph Ziggler sent the text to say that Mandy was going to be late. That's what I'm saying. All right, then, so... And that's why Dolph Ziggler then arrived. All right, me, me, me and Harry touched on this, right? I know I know what you're saying, right? Because I, yeah. I did pitch... We did talk I, 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 did, I did talk about this with Harry as well. But hear me out. See, what you're saying, what you're saying, like, is a possibility. But... Then you've got a stalker angle going on because the text come from Mandy's phone, which means Dolph Ziggler would have had to sneak in Mandy's dressing room, get her phone, send the text, and then turn up at the location. Okay. So the stalker angle for me never really works. What I feel has happened is Sonia Deville sent the text to Ma- uh, sent the text to Otis from Mandy's phone. Yeah. Then text Dolph Ziggler where she's going to be because clearly Sonia Deville does not feel Mandy Rose and Otis are a match. She thinks Otis isn't good enough. And she turned around and said, Dolph Ziggler's more yeah. you. 
So she sent the text to Dov Ziggler to get Dov Ziggler there. It's sort of thing where they're both beautiful, so she thinks that works better than Otis because Otis is kind of just like a scraggly does guy. It, does it? Could it be that this whole thing is boiling down to Sonya Deville fancying Mandy Rose? We talked about this. I, I, I did think that at first, but when she made that comment saying Dov yeah, Ziggler that could be is to just like, that, could be just be for like TV purposes to throw us off that scent. Okay, but. Then, alright, so how do you work that Dolph Ziggler knew where Mandy Rose is going? If Sonia Deville, right, if Sonia Deville is low-key in love with Mandy Rose and wants Mandy Rose, how does Dolph Ziggler even know where Mandy Rose is going to be? And how does he know that Otis is going to turn up late? How does Dolph Ziggler fit into that? There's no way, if Sonia Deville fancies Mandy Rose, she's not going to text Dolph Ziggler to go to yeah. Otis, to go to Mandy Rose... And she's not going to text Otis to see. The thing it. is with this segment, at this one, this one, this week on SmackDown, the thing, the fact of you know, it was like, it was almost like Mandy Rose was standing there afterwards, yeah, with her bags ready, her phone in her hand, like she was ready to meet Otis at the hotel because Tucker said he wouldn't even leave the hotel. Remember in the earlier segment. It's unclear where Mandy Rose was going to go, but she did say she was waiting for her she ride. She was waiting for her ride. Which yeah. could have easily been a driver. She could have yeah. ordered an Uber for exactly. all Exactly. Yeah, and then, and then you see um, Dolph Ziggler go, oh, well, I've got my car outside. Okay, and then Otis pops out from behind. It, like, right, so this is, where, this is where I feel this story's going to go, right? Now, ever since the... Right, so we've never had... We, we haven't had a mixed tag team match. No. In a very long time, yeah. Like, apart from the mixed tag team challenges, yeah, I've done special. I yeah. don't remember. We what we we've not really seen it on the Rawers, but they no. seem to divert from the men and women tag team. Somewhere down the line, it's going to come out that Sonia Deville sent the text. Yeah, right. It's then going to cause friction because Mandy Rose is then going to turn on Sonia. Yeah, tell Dolph Ziggler to shove it. Yeah. Otis is going to get involved, yeah. and we're going to have a Sonia Deville. And Dolph Ziggler against Mandy Rose and Otis. Yeah. That's where I feel this story's going. Right. I genuinely feel we're going to get that Otis Mandy Rose love. I, I, I just think it. I, I think they're trying to build a suspense out of it. I'm going to actually say, as someone who really dislikes romance angles in wrestling, this is a decent one. I've enjoyed it so far, to be it's honest. It's because Otis is a lovable guy. Yeah. I think it's entirely down to him being likable, and I think like Manny Rose is likable as well. Yeah, I do you know. I, I think we're go- it's going to be one of them where you feel you know it's not. They make viewers believe you know it's not impossible for a beautiful woman like her to fall for someone like him. Exactly. They have good you know chemistry I mean? as well. The 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 thing the thing is I don't I. You you got women's tag teams. Yes. Yeah? Right. So I I get that the absolution thing Paige bought Sonya Deville and Mandy Rosa, but. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, their fighting styles don't match each other. No. So tag team wise, they're not compatible. They're not compatible. Yeah. So splitting them up might be beneficial for for them. both of them. Yeah. And I think this is a good way to do it. Then you get a Sonya Deville Mandy Rose match, and you can take Sonya Sonya Deville and make her the powerhouse that she seems to be. Yeah. And Mandy Rose can go and do her own thing. Because mm-hmm. together, I don't think there's enough chemistry. For them yeah. to dominate as a tag team. That's entirely fair. After that, we had uh, an, a rather candid little interview segment with Lacey Evans. Mostly seeming to just 
keep pushing her character. I'm not entirely sold on her character yet, Lacey Evans. I don't think there's been enough. Like, when she debuted, she'd come out, she'd talk on the mic for a little bit, she'd go. Then she did, did, it took ages for her to actually have an in-ring debut. Sorry, before that, it won't even talk on the mic. You'd hear her music, yeah, and she'd walk down, halfway down the ramp, do that with her tissue, turn around and walk Yeah, that was it. her. She was a non-entity for a while. Do you know what, it, it, it kind of reminds me of that time. Do you remember that, that, that special moment Chris Jericho returned? That one time? Yeah. And he got in the ring, he got a mic, never said anything, and then just walked out. At least he had like a presence that we were familiar with. Yeah, Lacey Evans is a nobody. She's come out on I, the ramp, left. I think her look and the idea of her is interesting. I just want to actually see. Yeah, something. I think I it's think an old-fashioned look, yeah, isn't it? I think it's interesting. I think the character, her character, is trying to put out there. I think it's. I think this is her idea, by the way. Yeah, it's trying to send. She's one of them women. And he's trying to send messages to women to say you can do and be whatever you want. Don't let no one break you. Because that's the sort of thing she's doing lately. I I, under, I, mean, I, I, like under, I understand that. I like it. I, I do get that. But what I, what I don't understand is the way they've done it. I mean, she she came out, done all that what you said. Then she started talking and leaving. And, and then she was a heel character. And now all of a sudden she's a face. Yeah. There, there's not really been a character development for no. her. No. It's just sort of happening. There, there's no real reason. Yeah. It just, it, it all happened. Yeah. And we're rolling with it. I think I'd like to see that. more. I'd yeah. like to see more. I'd like them to push it further. But I like Lacey Evans and I like her presence and I feel that she's sort of sending her message and her message is getting heard and, and believed. And if, if, it's, if that's the case, then crack on with it. So... After that, we had Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro versus Braun Strowman and Elias in a Symphony of Destruction match. That, I like that. It was a waste of instruments, but it was fun to it watch. It was fun to it, watch. It was very really reminiscent of the really goofy Actually Dera hardcore matches, yeah. where they just literally threw Hit everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah. Exactly. It only, was fun. Only this time it was a load of uh, instruments. It was then for like popcorn, chew, like popcorn eating, just laugh at, at the performers. But it was it was definitely fun, and I think it had some levity to the uh, to the paper to the to the show. Even even the um, even the comedic side of how they did it. I mean, yeah. look at Sami Zayn. He come out with that little violin, whatever it is he has. <sighs> I don't right. know the way it is. And then Braun Strowman comes out with that massive <laughs> And you got Sami Zayn in there looking at his and looking at Strowman's and Yeah. What am I gonna do? It was fun. There was there was a lot of and the match itself, it was entertaining. It was just a load of fun. And you need that sometimes. I'm perfectly happy with a stupid fun match. Next King Corbin came out. Just pretty much talked about his upcoming match with Roman yeah. Reigns. What I really have is like King Corbin be comes fair, out and talks about Reigns. To be fair, this needs to stop. It is dragged. It's gone on far too long. Yeah, and we get the message. Roman Reigns has got your number. Simple. It's just let's just put that out there. You know what I mean? To be fair, I didn't like all this dog food stuff. No, it, was. it didn't go nowhere for me. 
No, but like like I said, I, I will give it leeway for the fact it's that kids will probably yeah. find it entertaining. Yeah, cool. We have to accept that so, it's a PG slash family product now, and sometimes they have to do silly things for the children. It's not for everyone. No. But I agree with Jack. <clears throat> it does need to stop because, as much as I like Baron Corbin, this has been going on since November. It has been going on since November, but as much as I like Baron Corbin, right? Whatever he did backstage to piss off officials is clearly showing. Yeah. Because this feud has been Roman Reigns winning. Like, all right, Baron Corbin may pick up the odd win during the smack, but when it comes to the big one on the pay-per-view, mm. Roman Reigns has it every single time, but then we still follow it up with another match, and we've yeah. got another one at Super Showdown, which hopefully Roman Reigns actually does win and put an end to this feud, well, because if... King Corbin wins, then we've got another one at WrestleMania. Yeah. They did announce it on SmackDown as, you know, the the curtain closer, basically. And that's how they announced it at SmackDown as this is the final well, let's hope installment so. in the reigns and thing. Let's let's really hope so. Because if King Corbin wins, what is for Roman Reigns? To be fair, you 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 boys would know. I'm a Roman Reigns fan. Yeah, very big. Yeah, and I think after this, after all this other thing with, after you freed up, um, now you viewers know who Bray to Wyatt. hate for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Once you freed up Bray Wyatt, I would like to see Roman Reigns back in that Universal Title picture in a nice feud with the Fiend Bray Wyatt. I think that's one that will come over. It. Do you know what I can see it coming over? And I know you like Roman Reigns, but if if Roman I like Reigns, most all right, one, to be fair, that's fair. But I know you're a Roman Reigns fan, and if Roman Reigns beats Baron Corbin, yeah, or King Corbin, and then goes on and enters an elimination chamber match and wins the elimination chamber match to fight, what I would assume Bray Wyatt, yeah. Because I can't see Goldberg. I don't foresee Goldberg winning the title at Super Show. Again, that's another one. That's just a spot filler. It's just another legend you want to bring back. I did actually say the same thing that Survivor Series, though, when he fought Brock Lesnar. I didn't actually see Goldberg winning that match. I I didn't didn't win because of the storyline, because of the way it is. You've never beat me and you can't beat me, sort of thing. To be fair, there is the added thing of it being. As we've said, glorified house show, super showdown. But let's not put it past WWE no, to have Goldberg not. versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Title. Absolutely not. That is. Let's not. That's definitely that a potential ticket pusher for them. What do you mean? That's a potential. I'm definitely watching ticket. Well, there you go. It's already sold him on it. It's already sold him on it. This is the mark of the of the trio over here. Let, let, let me get <laughs> onto this. What I was trying. Yeah. I was trying to say. I was is, trying to get somewhere with that point. If Roman Reigns does win and then goes on enters the Elimination Chamber and wins the Elimination Chamber and we have Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns, I'm begging WWE creative, begging you, write Bray Wyatt to win that fucking match. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just so obvious yeah, if you're going to make Roman Reigns be the one to conquer Bray Wyatt. Yeah. It's obvious. Don't do it. It will Surprise be a disservice me. to the Fiend character. Which the is Fiend still new. Bray Wyatt to still be Universal Champion after WrestleMania. I beg you. Regardless of who he faces. Honestly. Now, Regardless of who he faces? Now, why would you say this? 
He's got to lose it at some point. He's got to lose it at some point. But not at WrestleMania. Not at WrestleMania. Not yet. And not to Roman Reigns. But maybe not at WrestleMania, but to Roman Reigns in the future. No, he don't have to lose to Roman Reigns. Why does he have to lose to Roman Reigns? See, I, see, but then, then again, I said the same thing about Daniel Bryan. Because Jack's the Roman Reigns mark. To take it off him. But why keep having the same champion? Why yeah. not have someone new? Because in order to have someone new, like I'm talking about after SmackDown wrestling, you've got to think SmackDown wrestling now, right? You've got to think everyone else potentially is like him. They're sort of... Like you've got to turn someone face for it to happen. When you look at the talent you got. And I think the perfect person, the person I would love to see as WWE champ, as any sort of top champion in my eyes, would be King Corbin. And that would be a feud I'd like to see. See, but that could be interesting because it's yeah. something different. Then they'd have to different. turn Corbin as a face. Would that come over with the... He's been here too long. Not necessarily. You could have two hills. Yeah, absolutely. There's never been a problem with that. That's been how Kurt Angle, Triple H in 2000, none of them were faces. No, I understand that, but you know what I'm saying? Is in the fact of this, yeah, is like, I don't know, this Bray Wyatt character I'm getting will sort of be that if you're a hill and you're going against Bray Wyatt, to me it wouldn't really make sense. I actually disagree because. The Fiend comes across as it doesn't matter what matter side you're you on. He will, if you cross past him, he will take you I'm, out. I'm a monster. It would actually be interesting if it was a heel or a tweener that was the one to actually. The thing is, what I would like to see him. though a bit more, yeah. As well, they've done it once or twice now, yeah, since he's been Universal Champion. Is to see actual. Normal Bray Wyatt in a bit of the action instead of the theme Bray Wyatt. Does that make sense? Sometimes, like, like mix it. Do what sort of, but in a better way, what Finn Balor used to do. Sort of, Bray Wyatt gets beat in a singles match and then goes, right, fuck this, goes, turns to the alter ego and now, now you've become an untouchable force. Now you can't beat me. I think we're, I've, do you know what? In saying all this, I think we're forgetting one aspect of this. Yeah. That's sort of going over our heads. John Cena returns soon. That's true. Yeah. Is John oh, no. Cena going to be the one that takes Bray Wyatt's title? Oh, please don't. That'll be a good thing, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think it'll be good, but whereas John Cena's part time, they'll sort of, you know what WWE creative is like? They'll sort of throw it in the way they're throwing in the Goldberg one with the thing, and the way they've sort of, you know, just done that, like where you have this little minor feud. Have a match, you lose, that's it. Mm. There's no more you. Yeah, but they they can do that with someone with Goldberg. With John Cena, whether he's part-time or not, they can have John Cena come in and win the Universal title. He can come on SmackDown for a few months and then disappear. And John Cena is also one of those sort of wrestlers who's quite happy to put over another superstar down the line. That was basically the entire point yes, of the US title it's like, run. It's, it's, no, but it's like, it's like what you sort of saying, yeah, we're going back to this now, yeah, it's like what you sort of saying earlier about you don't want to see a part-timer if you're a champion. Again, yeah. the difference The difference we're talking is about, when John Cena is going to be a part-time champion, he is going to come every week. 
and beat he'll just be for a few months until he drops it. But you see, I want to see champions like this, yeah. Now, to be fair, I get that. I understand what you're saying. Like, it's good to have, have your champion regularly on TV, but it's also good to have your champion regularly competing. But John Cena will regularly what, what compete. compete or will he just be on the mic like, no. promoting his jo- John Cena's been part time for ages, but John Cena will still wrestle. Absolutely. John Cena will wrestle on SmackDown. He's still in shape. Rock Lesnar won't. Goldberg won't wrestle on SmackDown. He'll appear at pay per views and stuff like that. Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, all them, The Rock, they don't wrestle on the weekly shows when they're champions. John Cena will. If John John Cena's a John Cena may be a part time wrestler, but for that part time, if he's called to come back, he will be there consistently. He will compete consistently. Then when he loses, he will disappear and go away. That's the difference between him as a part-time and other people as a part-time. But then you've got to think as well, it ain't his decision in that respect. No, it's not his decision. It's WWE creative, but this is what I'm saying. And that's the sort of angle they tend to go with. That is the angle with everyone. everyone. But this is, this, is what I'm, this is why I'm saying... If Roman Reigns and John Cena are too obvious to beat Bray Wyatt for the title. Alright, go on, chuck a name in a hat. Off a SmackDown. Sheamus. Do you know what? I just had the same thought in my head when you said that. Why Why not? not? Jinx. (laughs) But next on the card, we have another Moment of Bliss section. This time with the Bella Twins, who are. Just, rec- just here, being announced into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we touched upon this earlier, so we don't need to go too Nothing much Nothing really in. much to say. It was just them kind of... Talking. They're both pregnant? Yeah. You know One just, week apart? I was just about to get into that. You're, I know you're twins, yeah, and twins do everything together. But, but now they're giving birth? If you get pregnant together, Bree's already had a kid. And can I just touch on that? I thought that was really nice, that little moment there. When Daniel Bryan come out, after the induction, just before his match, yeah, and their thing holding their daughter, I thought that was a really yeah lovely heartfelt. Daniel Bryan has kids too. <laughs> yeah, I think that was sort of after sort of a message you were trying to send so, to Heath before the match as well. I got kids too. Let's get into that one as uh, Daniel Bryan takes on Heath Slayer in. Is it even a spoiler to say Daniel Bryan just won this match? No, it was right? obvious. <laughs> All right, it was obvious Daniel Bryan was going to yeah. win, but let's not just hear it. Heath Slater done some impressive things he did. in that match. I, again, I think he's a great performer that they know. do under you. I liked, I liked it when he got up on the turnbuckle and Drew Gulak went, no, 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 don't go up there, don't go up there, don't go up there. And then he sort of budged the move and then Drew Gulak was sort of like, see, I told you. Gulak seems interesting. I wouldn't say a mistake. He didn't make a mistake. All right, all right, I've got the word wrong. Daniel Bryan just moved out the way. Yeah, moved out the way, yeah. All right. Yeah. We understand where he's going for Drew Gulak obviously has this image in his head that he knows Daniel Bryan's flaws. And if Heath Slater stuck to that plan, Heath Slater would have won that match. Going to the top rope was obviously not part of his game plan, and that's where <sighs> it went wrong for Heath Slater. But Daniel Bryan was never going to lose to Heath Slater. Yeah. Because Daniel Bryan's obviously going to be involved in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. We know this. We don't even need the announcement. Daniel Bryan's in that match. Roman yeah. Reigns is in that match. Sheamus is probably in that match. Yeah. I do believe that, didn't they mention it? Who was in the match? There was a sweet. There was. But then I swear I could. I I could swear I looked at that and I thought, why ain't a certain person? There was a supposed leak 
there, 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 there is a leak. Mm, I don't think anything has been 100% confirmed. No, nothing's been confirmed one, one, yet. One we'll thing see where I that goes. One thing I do think I saw and I thought, you know, this is another one like, that you said earlier about just throwing people in. Like, don't get me wrong, he's amazing. He's a great superstar, but he's never going to win it. Why the fuck? I saw a little thing with Shorty G in the Elimination Chamber. It uh, seems potentially unlikely on that front. Speaking of uh, Shorty G, though, we're still... We're still doing this, apparently, because Shorty G and Apollo Crews are in a promo now, and it seems like... They mentioned Sheamus. Is this... How long is this going to go on for? Look, I, I really... Look, afterwards, we saw Sheamus give his little promo... Yeah. ...about how he's going to get rid of the vermin and rats. And I really hope that Apollo Crews and Shorty G are done with. Because how many times does he need to beat them? This is a, a habit, weird habit, WWE can sometimes have, where... It's not even really a feud as such. It just seems like it's the same match every week sometimes. The thing is, I don't get you, is, is someone like Sheamus. Sheamus is still what I would call an A-list WWE superstar. He's still right he at certainly the, should be. Right at the top of the very elite, yeah? But he returns to getting a feud with Shorty G. Yeah. Like, like, like I thought that it was going to be something like, you know... He'd come... Uh, this is genuinely what I thought. When I heard that he was coming back, he was doing that thing. I thought genuinely he was going to come back as a face and sort of have this little lover's tiff thing with Cesaro and then them to have a fight and then it becomes them to having a match after, you know, all of this and that. Yeah, I, I get that, but at, at the same time, I think what you've got to... I think what you've got to sort of take into consideration is... When a superstar is injured or they take a hiatus, when they want to come back, you, you you can't just throw them in anywhere. Yeah. Because there's storylines that are developing. Mm. So you've got to find the right, right moment to put him in. Now, if they feel they want to put Sheamus on TV, then I think it's fair that he just comes in and he, he does Faces what he's jobbers done. And yeah, what he's done with the Shorty G Apollo till we get a concrete sort of story for Sheamus to fit in with the other stories. It'd just be nice if it wasn't just Shorty G and Apollo Crews. Yeah, there is I, a I lot more people well, on the roster. Yeah. I thought as well, yeah, with Sheamus, that another good angle we could have went in there, because I've seen him do it loads of times. You know that you see, like, you have two people in a title match. Yeah, like there's announced that these two people are going to be in a title match then someone returns and it's a big return and then they end up being put in this title match and in this feud yeah I would have liked to have seen that with the Intercontinental title thing with 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 um big oh, I can't not remember his name George Strowman George Strowman and Shinsuke Chuck him in it because Cesaro is in the mix with them and he can mm. turn on Cesaro. Yeah, that's a possibility, but look, the way the way they've done it is the way they've done it, right? But you know, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been too disappointed if they didn't do what they do nine times out of ten with other people that return, where they just throw random people that yeah. ain't even wrestlers in WWE. Yeah, they're, they're just local talent. Yeah, and they squash them like your velocities. Uh, uh, of course, uh, you, uh, you, what they were doing with um. Nia Jax. They've done it with Nia Jax a few times. Yeah. The past few weeks they've been doing it with um, Eric Rowan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just random local Super talent. Just, just to, just to get him over and keep, 
momentum for Sheamus and build him into what he is genuinely becoming. Once he's got some heat and also seems like he is fit to get into it properly. And then you get someone out there that's going to challenge Sheamus and say, look, I'm coming for you and then build it that way. And then he gets up there and fights for the title or wherever they're going to go with him. Absolutely. Our main event of the evening is Naomi vs. Carmella for the right to earn the chance to face Bailey at Super Showdown. And uh, it went the way we said it was gonna go. Yeah, it did. But then, in the same respect, it it went the way we said it was gonna go. That's before and after. But during the match, I did have some doubts. I think you know what, Carmella might win this. You know, you had them them few moments where you think, yeah, she might win this. I don't know. I never, I never had that. There, there were moments in the match where, yeah, okay, Carmella nearly won, and there was a couple of near falls. But I always thought to myself. Naomi returned. Yeah. There's a big thing that Bailey has not beat Naomi one on one, and Bailey's talked about how she's beaten every single person on the women's roster. It just stood out that Naomi's going to be the one to win, and then you then you don't have the obvious you don't have the obvious scenario here. You don't know who's going to win between Bailey and Naomi because on one hand you've got Naomi who's turned around and said Bailey's never beat Naomi in one on one's competition, which is a fact. Then you've got Bailey who has beaten everyone on the SmackDown roster while Naomi was injured. That's a fact. So you've got two people here and you've got a match where you can go both ways. Mm. Yeah, but do you know what it is with me? I feel I've never... She's never really got over with me. Who, Naomi? Naomi. I'm wrong, I think she's a good athlete. I just don't... I don't know what it is. I just can't take to her. I, I, I get what you're saying. She's catering to the younger crowd. No, no, no. It's not even that. It's not just that. I'm not talking about that as well. I am talking about that. I'm also talking about, you know, it's just like, no, I don't feel that. Naomi. No, she's had her time. She's had her run. She's done her women's belts. And I think she's gone past that now. And it's just, it's done. That's just my opinion. I don't. But wouldn't that be the same for anyone else that's been in that position? So, at the same time, if Bailey now loses the women's title... Are you going to turn around and say that Bailey was the champion? She's had her time. She shouldn't get a title shot now. She can never have another push. No, because I like Bailey. So I'm not, no, that's I'm a not, biased opinion. I'm not opinion. being biased. Like, I'm not mean. Uh, I'm not, I'm trying to get it across, but it's sort of. I just feel that now Naomi's sort of. She's been there so long. She's past it now. Does that make sense? She's, she's I, I think Naomi has actually improved. No, yeah. She's one of them wrestlers that you just want to. Chuck into like a, a, a fight with Natalia to fill a sort of gap for me. We'll uh, agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. And I'm we'll really... go into uh, the closing segment of SmackDown, which was Goldberg, and then the Firefly Funhouse, and then the Fiend I liked himself. It. Do you know what? The Firefly Funhouse, I absolutely love it. I love the Firefly Funhouse. That is quality in it. Bray oh, Wyatt it's so great. is... It's just like, for a normal guy, it's, like, think, think, out of it, out of this whole WWE, just like all of them, they were normal people, but how someone can portray two separate personalities the way Bray Wyatt can is genius. Bray like, Wyatt the is... The way he does it. For me, one of the best creative talents on the roster. He... 
has an amazing way with words, and even I genuinely can't tell if he is scripted or if it does come out of his own mouth. If this is scripting, he's somehow got the best out of the writing team. See, I don't think so. You know, I think I think it's too good to be true. I think I think personally, he has come up with this idea. I said, this is what I want to do. He needs to have is someone that, on his side in that writing room then. Is that okay Because he stands with you? out. I'm talking, listen, The Rock done it years ago with Vince McMahon. said that I want to do this myself. I want to do write my own scripts, write my own this, write my own that. That was back when they were more willing to trust people with yes, this. Yes, but, but I think that he's gone up to one of them. Triple H has definitely gone right. This is... Um, Either way, someone definitely has faith in him up there. This is the script. This is the p- character I want to do. This is, I think this is a good idea. And obviously, if they're going to like it, they ain't going to then go to him, no. If they ain't got another angle for him, they ain't going to go to him, no. They're going to go... If it works, go for it. I mean, someone definitely has trust him up there because he's clearly doing his own thing. He is doing his own thing. You well. can tell. It's just... It's actually a known fact. Bray Wyatt has actually said in an interview he does his own stuff. Yeah. There you go, yeah. He's fantastic. He is... Yeah, I think as far as writing and gimmicks go, he's easily the most memorable of any of the current roster. The the, the Bray Wyatt gimmick was his idea. Yeah. That don't necessarily mean The Fiend thinks his idea, but he does, he, he does his own script. He yeah. writes his own material. Yeah. They 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 could have they, they could have easily come up with the theme gimmick and said what do you think about this Bray Wyatt said yes let me run with it yeah and he's taking it and he's doing his own thing yeah and it's working yeah because Bray Bray Wyatt's character is phenomenal yeah so it works yeah the whole segment in general was great and uh, I think it was a good idea to get. Goldberg over instead yeah. of having the thing come out attack Goldberg and make Goldberg look weak I think it was good to let Goldberg's presence felt so you don't know where yeah. it's going to go it, like exactly show can, yeah. so then the thing I don't get where does Hulk Hogan fit into this I think he was just there to promote the NWO thing and yeah, they got the to promote to just... the NWO and the fact that Goldberg had a big feud with Hulk Hogan they've been talking about something like there's been, there's been these wrestling blogs and stuff that have been talking about like possibly Hulk Hogan having one more match yeah they're, they're possibly been... with the thing to me I'm not going to buy into it I don't mm. want to see that it's unlikely I don't want to see no 70 year old man get back in that ring and, and... no let, let, let's not let's not read into any of that look let, let's just put it how it actually is Right, we ain't got a build up to Goldberg and Bray Wyatt at Super Showdown because Goldberg is not an active competitor. No. So we've literally just had Goldberg come out and say, "Look, Bray Wyatt, you're next. I'm coming for you." There's no build up. This just adds a little heat to that match. But there's one element of SmackDown we're all missing, and it's something I don't think many people have noticed. But there has been a lot of talk about it. You'll notice last week there was a glitch. Yep, the 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 weird yeah, stuttering. It happened to it happened the last one when Mandy Rose was in the thing on the phone that glitch. Yeah, I thought it was part of my how I was. I thought it was part of myself when I was watching it. To be honest, but then it happened again this week. 
I thought for a second, because the whole Fiend character, I thought it could be something like that. Maybe. But there was something that struck me in that. On the glitch, if you slow it down and pause it, when the glitch happens, you see a clock. Now, there's a guy that's recently signed with WWE. His name's Killer Cruz. Mm. His tagline is TikTok. Referencing a clock. An image on that glitch is a clock. But why is it so random? At random times, like when... Why couldn't it be like... Because that's why I think people ain't noticing it. People think it's that because it's not happening like... Do you know how they used to happen years ago? Like, they used to get the Undertaker and then the ring used to shake. And there used to be a rumble. Why can't they do it during the match where like, it glitches out? It did the, happen it during, did happen the during the match. It happened during the match last week. It happened during the match this week, too. I did, did this week. I, I, only see it, I only see it when... Mandy Rose had the phone in you know, that segment. No, I, I remember it happened during a match. That's why last week. I it happened during the match last week. It happened my TV was messing up. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, it could be that. It could be anything. Though. I think it's going to start subtle and get more obvious as time goes on. If yeah. it's a promo I, I, thing. At the moment, we're just, we're just little yeah. promos. But the interesting thing is, this guy, Killer Cruz, and his companion... I can't remember her name, but they both signed with WWE. There's no information on what they're doing in WWE. So just that they've been in the developmental. To them exactly. straight to main roster? They've been performing in the performance center. And this is an interesting thing because this killer cruise is one of the most talked about outside of WWE. So this could be really interesting. Obviously, if anyone else has got any ideas, just chuck it in the comments. It's very unusual. Yeah, interesting. We'll see how that goes. So, SmackDown definitely improved over last week. There was more than three matches. Yeah. Use this time a bit better. And it was a good, I guess technically, it's a go-home for Super Showdown, because that will happen before the next... Well, the next airing of SmackDown. Pretty solid week overall. Raw, Raw could have been not better. using its time as much as it as well as it could be. Raw, but to be fair, Raw's been in that position for a couple ever of since they've now. changed it. Really, to be months, honest, ever uh, since a couple where, of times. Well, like well to be fair, years. ever since they made it three. The thing hours, is, all in all, I thought SmackDown was a was a decent show. Again, I don't think it was like a highlight reel, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. It was a de- I think it was a decent week yeah, absolutely. in WWE programming. So, this is still new, but just quickly go over it, because Super Showdown is on next week. We will be talking about Raw and our predictions, as well as the card Super Showdown at some point, halfway through the week, and then we will cover both Super Showdown and SmackDown together at the usual time, when this go- the runtime just goes up. And then it'll be back to... How it is here with just one weekly show, unless other pay-per-views come up. We'll go more into that in detail as it happens. For now, this has been Hal. I've been Chad. I've been Jack. And we shall see you next time.